Dune, this is your master of ceremonies, Matt Berry. And I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. And this is Square Horror. This is the premiere of the newest, uh, what are we going to call this? What kind of show are we calling Horror this? podcast? A horror podcast for squares like you. <laughs> Novices to the world of horror that may not be as uh, acclimated to the climate as the two of us. As we find spooky folks no, out No, 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 no. This is for someone who feels that's, that horror is something that they want to get into, but uh, it's just too, too, too bone-chilling. It's just too spooky and gives them nightmares. And it's a haunting undertaking, if you will. It's, that's a cool way that you could say it. <laughs> Uh, so what we're going to be doing with this show, for the most part, is going to be covering various horror movies, horror mediums. I mean, we really could go wherever we want with what that is, what that entails. And uh, kind of filter it through our um, dark forest of, a, of, a, of an interest level of our minds and kind of market to someone that's not the same as us shed some light on the situation <laughs> yes we're gonna we're gonna see how we could take a movie like I don't know saw like I, when I say saw to some of the novices it kind of brings up the quote-unquote torture porn elements of, uh, of horror that kind of turns some people away turns some stomachs uh, but we're here to tell you and we will be here to tell you eventually when we do end up covering it uh, that there's some good stuff in there there's a lot of good, uh, some cop drama, there's some oh, yeah. fine acting, I mean, you got a Wahlberg in there, you got uh, the director of what will become Aquaman. That's right. That's right. James Wan um, sure did that. Which is another thing we'll be going to be going into, is even if the movie itself doesn't really tickle your fancy after we've kind of explained what's cool about it, and what's worth watching it for, um, at least you'll have some background into... Uh, you know, kind of who went into making it, who went into uh, writing it. Sometimes it's five people, and we know that that's a, that's a big no-no. That's Most too many time. people. Too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> um, but for the first uh, episode, I feel like we were just going to kind of... Well, we had a plan, initially. We had a plan <laughs> that we were going to do... Um, Found footage movies. Uh, but we that's... got a little ambitious with our opening episode. And by ambitious, I meant we, we picked movies that we had seen before, and just not in a while, and didn't even watch them. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't watch them in time to record. So I woke up literally three hours ago and said, Hey Dan, what if we just did movies that we had seen before, but like there were our first ones, ones that really stuck out to us. If we went back in our history to what caused our interest in horror... Well, I mean, I would say this movie wasn't really the... At least for me, wasn't my introduction to horror movies. It was more just the first one that happened to... It was like a first girlfriend, you know? You weren't <laughs> really expecting it, and it wasn't a lot of what you anticipated, but it was the first. It was the first horror movie... Um, I mean, I can say that back in the day, uh, when I was a wee lad, and I knew that I was kind of spooky, um, there was other things that kind of drew me to the genre, like the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark, or, uh, the ending of Fantasia, or anything that was marketed sort of to children that was, like, maybe not supposed to be. I knew I liked it, and I wanted more. Um, and then I got saddled with, uh, my unfortunate movie. But I'm going to let you <laughs> go first with that. 
Well, for my first experience with a horror movie, I watched the 2006 remake of When a Stranger Calls, as directed by Simon West of Expendables 2 fame, <laughs> which is his following epic from 2012. <laughs> That's not a lot, though. If your resume is just When a Stranger Calls, and then years later, and then The Expendables 2... This is shady dealings. Well, what was worse is before this, his previous movie was the 2001 Tomb Raider movie with Ooh. Angelina Jolie. There were about five years in between that movie and this one coming out. So he hit a strike, or uh, or he hit a home run with this first one. We're, we don't know. Whiffed it with uh, <laughs> with Miss Jolie, and then they said, "You know what, kid? You got spunk. Why don't we give you every major action hero of the '80s and just..." Play with them, and I've never seen Expendables two, so I don't even know if it's any good. I don't, I don't know but either. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about Expendables; it's about when a stranger calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do find it funny that both of our movies today are remakes of classic right. horror movies from the seventies, yes. and ones that aren't as widely known. I mean, yes. I feel like I wouldn't have known about uh, my particular movies. Or a movie at all, um, if, not, if not for this remake. Uh, it's not something like um, when you remake Halloween or, or Child's Play where the community really knows about them and they're classics and they're beloved because people grew up with them and different generations love them. Uh, and then uh, the remakes kind of bring them to a new level for like the modern day. Or either setting them in modern day or just using different filmmaking techniques or you know, in some cases different stories altogether. Uh, it can kind of jumpstart it, so what do you got? So, When a Stranger Calls is the iconic movie that brought about the concept of the call is coming from inside the house. The call is coming from inside the house! <laughs> now, that's not a spoiler, because that's in every trailer for this movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> they spoiled it first. Yes, it's not our fault. Uh... <laughs> And the original movie was, I believe, in 1977? I think that's right, I think yes. is when it was. And it jump-started the thriller aspect of the horror genre. Because some mm. true, true, buff, rough horror fans are like, <laughs> you, <laughs> are like, when a stranger calls this in a horror movie. But back in the day, it really helped jump-start the thriller horrors, which introduced the movies like Silence of the Lambs into the big medium. I messed up the line. So close. I ate a census taker's liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. So delicious. <laughs> um, now this movie, the original movie did have a sequel as well. However, um, when this remake came out, it did not have the box office success that the uh, producing company was hoping for to remake that sequel as Can well. Can I guess what the sequel was named? Yes. Is it when a stranger calls back? It sure is. I. Why am I not in Hollywood already? <laughs> um, now, this movie had a surprisingly stacked cast for only five people in the movie. I mean, stacks? Who was that? Theoretically. I don't remember. Comparatively to your average five person cast to a movie in 2006. Okay. Because. I think the biggest name we have in this movie is Clark Gregg. Yes! Agent Coulson in the Avenger, in the MCU. Yes, yes. Um, who was so powerful in 2012, 
he died on screen and was brought back to life in a TV show. They made a TV show for him because everyone was so upset that he died. <laughs> um, and as our um, leading lady, our final girl in this movie, if you will, is um, Camilla Bell. I believe is how you pronounce it. Camilla, Camilla. I don't. Know I don't who actually you're know. About. Um, I, I think this done. is the only movie I've actually seen her in. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, which is not necessarily the best thing. Well, maybe she but... just decided to hang up her final girl costume and be a mom, right? I mean, there are other things that you can do post post acting life. I mean, oh no, I think she's still doing acting. Oh, well, I haven't heard anything about her. I mean, maybe... I'm sure she's happy somewhere. I'm sure she is. Okay. Making all sorts of money. <laughs> I was say, looking at her filmography, she's done the movie Push in 2009, and her most recent um, expedition was in the Hulu series Dollface in 2019. Well, at least she's doing something now. It's something I mean, recent. It's something recent. Uh, so, so Clark Gregg, if I remember correctly, is is in that movie for about three minutes. That sounds about right. And we are following uh, Camilla the rest of the movie. Yes. Uh, who else is she in this five-person movie? Does she see? Um, so Camilla plays uh, Jill. Correct. Yes, Jill Johnson in this movie. A creative. <laughs> Such a fun <laughs> man. Um, and she's a babysitter for a fairly wealthy family who's going, the parents are going out on a date night and they have two kids and they ask Jill to come in to watch over the kids for the night. And they have quite a large, expansive house, including an indoor greenhouse complete with sprinkler system and a guest house that's just down the road, still within their property. Because it couldn't just be like... A house on a cul-de-sac. It of couldn't just not. be like a split-level like ranch or something like that, where it's just like, yeah, we got a dog and this ice cream in the fridge, just chill. And this <laughs> house also has one wall that's just completely glass, like a window, <sighs> just to view the outdoors, because they basically live in a forest. Okay, so that means at least if you are bored with this movie, there is a lot of like. Set-wise, is very cool. I it's very, very fascinating. It being that. very striking, like that indoor greenhouse, and it, I mean, it's very kind of, it's like it, it's like insulating, like because like normally when you kind of have like a very like claustrophobic movie, you know, where someone's stuck in a house or you know someone's outside a house, like the house itself has to feel safe, and the it, it does feel very. Uniquely safe. Is that a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, and Jill starts to get a little spooked out. It's a big house. It's quiet. The kids are up in their room. They're supposed to be in bed. And she's just stuck waiting until the parents get back. I mean, lights go on in the indoor bowling alley. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the racquetball court downstairs is kind of echoey at night. And, you know, the 10th garage with the auto museum. <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff in the house. <laughs> well, and they, she was told that there's, I think, like, a younger brother of the father, or, like, their uncle or something, is staying in the guest house, but he may not be in town tonight. They don't really keep track of him. 
And so when she sees the light go on in the guest house, she's like, oh, it must be the uncle. Not raising any suspicious flags that a random light comes on in the guest house. Because that's not my domain. I don't have a guest house. I wouldn't <laughs> we're in our guest house. It's just, our guest house. <laughs> it's just for the listeners. We're, list- we're recording from our house in Macomb where we go to school. And uh, we've literally retrofitted the guest room, which we've retrofitted into a practice room, which we've retrofitted into a podcast studio that we have yet to retrofit into a podcast studio. So yeah, this is the most guest house that we get. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But she starts getting these phone calls from some random voice that's just breathing, which is spooky. And this is 2006, so it's before your average voice ID or, like, caller ID happens. And before every, like, 12-year-old with a cell phone decided to crank call anyone. Yeah, and she was, and it was on the landline. It wasn't on her cell phone. Yeah, do you remember landline telephones? I actually did. Actually, I didn't get rid of mine until earlier this summer when I moved. We still, we still had one. We still have one, too, but no one calls it. It's, it's like, it's just, we like, know it's just telemarketers, which I don't know what's scary. It's the telemarketers. Yeah, well, because they're not <laughs> real people. Like, they don't know. They, they, they're just a machine. And there's nothing scarier than machines. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this breathing on the phone, and she starts to get a little spooked out. So, naturally, she decides to call her friend and be like, Hey, this isn't normal, right? Who's her friend? Her friend's name is Tiffany. Who plays um, Tiffany? I believe is played by Katie Cassidy. Who um, makes her money off of being in Arrow and being in horror remakes. Okay, she's actually been in a fair amount of horror remakes. <laughs> um, shortly after this movie, she was in the Black Christmas remake in 2006. And then in 2010, she was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. Fight me on it! <laughs> we don't have any strong opinions about that. I <laughs> like it a lot, okay? We'll get to it one day. We'll get to it in the Nightmare series breakdown. Yes, yes. Uh, so so Katie Cassidy does what to help her friend with her, with her internal wisdom of being in horror movies? Basically, Tiffany's like, hey, call the cops. Good I'll idea. be there soon. I think that's a great plan. <laughs> And then when she gets there, she's like, there's no one here. And she's like, well, I'm going to go, because I think you're just getting spooked out in this big house, and I want to go see my boyfriend. I'm trying to get laid. Yeah. Now, leave me out of this. (laughs) Leave me out of your fake spookiness. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's the last time we see Tiffany I'm not surprised. There's a lot of comings and goings like that. (laughs) So naturally, Jill decides to call the police because she's spooked. It's a good idea. And they're like, so in order to trace the call, you have to keep the person on the line for a full minute. Uh, that's, Which is, that's real? I don't know if it's real, but it's what they use in the movie. Aside from this movie and that side mission in Arkham City where you try <laughs> to, to get Mr. Zaz by literally tracing his phone, and it takes you like 15 tries... I, I think that in real life, like, 911 traces calls all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes them a couple of minutes, I think. I'm a law enforcement minor, and I don't know, but I'm going <laughs> to say that's just for dramatic effects. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe bet. 
Well, and back in the day, which this movie is based on, is 1977. It's a little harder to trace phone calls. That's right. Yeah. So I think that's just something they didn't change with the new adaptation. Which, frankly, I'm okay with. Sure. This movie has a special place in my heart because I saw it when I was... I think I was 11 years old, 10 or 11 years old when I saw this movie Mm. for the first time. Because my older sister was just getting to college and she was like... I want to watch horror movies now. And I said, I'll watch them with you. <laughs> Please, let me do it. <laughs> I want to I know what's on the other side. <laughs> um, and, to, and to make a long story short, they end up tracing the call after about three tries because the, the person who's calling knows about the minute time frame. So he would always uh, cut off the thing at like 45 seconds. Just to be a dick. Ah, uh, come on, man. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is a jump scare heavy movie because this is still more. I would definitely target this more towards a thrill seeking audience than a like horror seeking yes. audience. I think this would actually be a really great way to test to like dip your toe in the water in the mm-hmm. genre of horror mm-hmm. because it's not very. It's not all rightly scary. Yes. It's more just ooh. What's gonna happen next? Yes, and I, I, while I think that we could have definitely framed this show with like a, like descent into madness of like starting at like no nah, it's not so bad and then like going slowly, but like in a couple weeks we're gonna cover Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie is not for everyone. Rob Zombie is definitely not for everyone, but we're gonna we're gonna highlight the merits of it. Should you decide, maybe <laughs> we'll give you plenty of warnings. We, there will be lots of warnings. <laughs> Because there are some very intense moments in Rob Zombie's Firefly trilogy, to say the least. I think there's a few not intense moments, because the entire <laughs> franchise is extremely... <laughs> but we'll get to Rob Zombie in a few weeks. Yes. So, Matt, would you like to talk about your first horror, your big iconic horror experience? Oh, I, for, it starts with a story, okay? So... <laughs> I'm going to take you guys back to when I was a child. Now, we had a family friend that we knew from school that would, every October, this is back, like, elementary school year for most people. I didn't go to elementary school. I went to parochial school. So I was in the same school with the same kids from preschool until I was in eighth grade. Um, it was fine. So the, uh, essentially, like, whatever classes you had were, like, with the same kids like, everyone did the same thing. Like, no one had, like, various different classes or whatever. Like, I didn't even know about that until high school. Um, but my brother, my younger brother, was a year younger than me, and his class was a little bit bigger. And uh, so, like, I knew those kids well, and my family was very close with that class's family. So, anyway, they, they, one, of these, one of these families would have... I'm just, like, stalling. <laughs> one of these families would have a, um, a Halloween party every year. Uh, at their house, and they lived in a more wealthier and a bigger house. Um, so essentially, a guest house and an indoor. They didn't house? have a guest house, but they <laughs> did have an indoor theater, which is like oh, what okay. was cool. It's like their basement had like seven rooms, like a big bar, like a big dining room. Like, it was a really nice house, um, but they had a, a like a home a home theater, mm-hmm. like around the corner in their basement, and it was it was really nice. And during this party, uh, the family had like four older siblings and like so like my brother was in their youngest kids class and like their oldest was like they're all like in high school so like they were all like teenagers 
So like they would have their friends over also, and like because of that they would they'd be playing like scary movies and whatnot like in the home theater. So I came in, and uh, they were playing the remake of Prom Night, which came out in two thousand eight. So it must have been like two thousand nine, because I was like ten years old maybe. Um, and the uh, the experience was strange. So I'm watching a movie that I. Of a genre I'm not accustomed to. Like, granted, I, I was into spooky stuff when I was a child, but as I grew up, like, I was getting less exposure to that, but it was more just kind of fostered. So eventually, when I was old enough to kind of make those decisions for myself, I would, I was like, oh yeah, I totally like this. I did not make this decision for myself. I was just kind of <laughs> hanging out in this home theater, like, eating, like, Halloween cookies, because I did, wasn't sociable. I ate a lot of food. <laughs> so, 10 years old, it's past my bedtime. I mean, a lot of sugar. And I'm watching this movie. Now, all of those things kind of made themselves into a, uh, an evil jungle juice that just kind of ruined me for a while. So I watched this movie, most of it, and then went back home that night. Realistically, it was maybe like 11 o'clock, like on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. um, but I had like a bunch of sugar in my system, so like me sleeping... I had, like, weird, like, sugar-high dreams that were intermingled with, like, a lot of Halloween-ish imagery and a lot of the disturbing content of this movie. So it really kind of threw me off my groove for a while. So I'll get to it in the movie, but there's a, um, a scene that there's a girl... So essentially, I'll just get into it and I'll, I'll go with it as I go. So Problem Night 2008 is about... It's also a remake of a... It's kind of underground sort of uh, franchise, also from the 70s and 80s, which Jamie Lee Curtis... I'm Jamie Lee Curtis yeah, starred in the original. Jamie Lee Curtis of Halloween. Um, so this remake stars Britney Snow from uh, Pitch Perfect. From Pitch Perfect. <laughs> and this is before Pitch Perfect. This is before. This is like maybe three or four years before Pitch Perfect. I want to okay. say a couple of years. Um, well, and she was also in the, like, I don't know what it was originally released on, but it's... A Really, it's really on. Net I've found it for the first time on Netflix. She's in the Would You Rather. Oh yeah, oh, that's gotta be later because I think that it's is definitely later. That is that's that's, that's post Pitch Perfect. Yeah, because <laughs> they like did the the acapella equivalent of killing off her character, <laughs> being like you can't sing anymore. You've got nodes. It's like that's not actually what I don't even know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, Brittany Snow plays the lead character Donna Keppel, who is traumatized after witnessing her former teacher, Richard Fenton, brutally murder her entire family after he had become dangerously obsessed with her. Three years later, as Donna gets ready for her senior prom, Fenton escapes from custody, follows her to the hotel room hosting the prom, and kills anybody who gets in the way of his reunion with Donna. Bum, bum, so, that concept already is quite dark. Okay. Okay, so we're talking about a a, uh, a teacher at a high school who becomes infatuated with a freshman girl. So like we're talking a 14-year-old girl to the point of delusions of that they like belong together and he kind of snaps because they had gotten him fired from, from school and uh, I mean, he, that obviously doesn't sit well with his fractured psyche. So <clears throat> while she... Donna is at, uh, I think, cheerleading trials, because they made her very stereotypical, but um, doing a lot of 
uh, justice to her character, which I, I will I will get, I will say for the movie. But so she's gone the night that he decides to break into her house and murder her whole family, which is tough for it's a lot to anyone to because so. I was imagining, so me as a 10-year-old was, like, imagining, like, what would my life be like if my entire family was dead? Like, that's a dark thought, but I was like, this is that's horrible. Heavy, like, oh, wow, like, I'm sad. Like, like, what would life be like for this this person? So, it wasn't even so much that it was like, hey, it's a horror movie, like, relax, like, it's fine. I was like, oh, no. Like, I had real empathy, yeah. and I never had it ever again for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, and I think, and that kind of speaks to what I think is good, actually, about this movie, is any kind of teen slasher movie could go and kill, like, you could be Friday the 13th, and kill off, quote-unquote, friends from high school, and they're just kind of like, oh, no, Brad's dead. My friend. Oh, no, my girlfriend. Like... Yeah. But that's not your family. But, like, no, even so, like, if you were murdered, okay? Like, if, if we went somewhere and, and a guy with a hook for a hand killed you, I'd be devastated. Oh. Like, realistically, someone who's, like, actually friends, with, like, really close friends to the point that they're going to go on a cabin retreat or something like that, like, they're going to have real connections with each other. So, seeing a movie that actually talks about, like, this is what, like, real trauma and, like, real grief is like for someone who watches something so horrible happen, especially for their family. Um, like, it, it really kind of scarred me a little, because it's the first time that I had ever seen something like that with real emotion. I think that really, that really speaks to the good writing and, and acting in this movie. So, like, as, as stereotypical, kind of, as Britney Snow's character is, I mean, She's pretty, and she's a cheerleader, she's blonde, she's Brittany Snow, she's attractive, and she's popular. Um, but still, to, to be able to act in a realistic manner that me, as a ten-year-old boy, could relate to, like, that's, that's special. Like, I, oh, yeah. norm, you don't normally see that. And I think that that's kind of what makes this movie good, is that while it is a slasher movie and that while like he does come but like the teacher does break out of prison and come back to her prom and, and like kill her friends and to try to get to her but it's like even the scenes that like are with him like of him kind of like wa creepily watching her like from like the backstage like it seems real like he does seem like he's like in a very twisted form of love with her and upon news when, like, friends do end up dead, I mean, they, they obviously shut down the problem. They're like, there's a murderer here. Because, um, you know, that's not what you want. I mean, and yeah, like, there's a guy who, he's, like, looking for his girlfriend. He's like, oh, like, you know, where is she, where is she? And he runs into Donna. He's like, have you seen, you know, my girlfriend? And she's like, our friend Claire is dead. And he, like, sits on the curb and cries. Like, that's real. Like, that's a, that's a very, like, that's a darkly... genuine connection. Yeah, that's, like, a darkly realistic, like, response. Like, this movie, I think part of the reason it really stuck with me is because the first thing that I had seen, like, I may have seen, may have seen like, you know, a couple scenes from Halloween or, or, or Friday the 13th or something like that when I was younger, but, like, it, it wasn't the same. Like, this was real. Like, these were real people. They weren't just actors in a, in a horror movie. Like, these were characters that had desires and they had you know things that made them unique 
and we watch them as their life was snuffed out. And, like, that's emotional. And I think that if you as an audience can kind of get into that um, and, and really feel upset that characters die instead of just, like, man, I like, don't go in there. You're an idiot. Like, these people are, are, are their kids. Like, they're 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're confronted with a man who is completely... Like, he's a shark. Like, he is completely after one thing and anything that gets in his way. Like, these are children that he taught that, like, it's nothing. Like, it's just gone. So, like, that kind of throws people off, and it's, it's scary. It's a scary movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good, scary movie. And also, Idris Elba is in it. Yeah. <laughs> Idris Elba is also there. <laughs> well, I think it's a huge testament to the screenwriter for this movie to have made such genuine reactions between these characters. Yes. The the script was originally written by Steven Susco, um, who is best known for writing The Grudge and The Grudge 2. Okay. And the 3D Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Um, and it looks like the first directorial credit that he has is for Unfriended Dark Web. Huh. So... And I will say... We'll get to those We'll get to the actually. Unfriended movies. Um, but those are another... like. Yeah, they look dumb, but, like, those characters are real people. Like, I believe that they are real when they when I, when I watch them. Like, the way that the, especially the actors, play them is, like, I feel like they can get in touch with them because they're like, oh, this is not a caricature of a teenager. Like, this is a person who has emotions and has dreams that are in jeopardy, and that terror is, is real. Um, it looks like he also did The Possession. He produced The Possession, which is my favorite Possession movie, uh, with, um, the guy from Walking Dead with a bat. What's his name? Um, oh, James something. Ah, damn, I don't know. Um, but it also looks like he co-wrote the story for Hellfest, which, again, is another movie that is completely character-driven, to the point where I didn't want really, really, I didn't want any of them to die. I mean, I wanted some of them. Like, them in, in like a, in a horror movie sense where you're like, kind of, you're a little annoying. Like, realistically, you wouldn't be like, I wish you would die. But like, you know that this is a movie where people can die without consequence. And but yeah, it's um, so Prom Night 2008 is. I love that it was produced by Prom Productions. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally just the whole thing was them being like. Listen, I know people are going to be covered in blood, but, like, if we can, like, market, like, our fall line on these kids, <laughs> like, people can really be like, damn, I really want that dress. Because, um, I mean, I don't Well, this released cool. just in time before the prom, because it released in April of 2008, and most proms are late April, <laughs> early May. Could you imagine <laughs> just, like, the weekend before prom, you're all like, hey, like, we're all in high school, we're all kids, we go to the mall. Um... <laughs> Like, let's go see a movie. And they're like, what do you want to see? Like, I'll let prom night movie drop. And then you come out of it and you're like, guys, I kind of don't want to go to prom. What if what if you all are murdered? I mean, what if something horrible happens? Do we think ticket sales went down after that? I think they went up. <laughs> to be honest, I, because me now, and maybe me in high school, I was like, you know what's fun? We should go see this, like, right after prom. <laughs> like, we all should go and be like, those kids were... It's a whole new post-prom. ...horribly murdered. And I'm like, yeah, wasn't it fun? Because this is... This is... At now. This is, like, after I've been, like, desensitized to 
all of that. <laughs> yeah, I think I would do that too, because me and my friend had, after a shift, we went on like a Thursday night at like 11 o'clock to go see uh, It Chapter 1 in 2017. All right. And we were like, you know, we're high schoolers, we're, we're 17, I want to go see a horror movie. <laughs> And I saw it, and I brought a red balloon home from work, and I left it in my car during the movie, and my friends didn't know about it until afterwards. That, why would you do that to them? I'm a little shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I think that's that's about it. Yeah. Uh, we've covered both of what we're going to be doing, so I think future episodes, format-wise, will be kind of similar. Um... So what we're going to be doing going forward, one of the things that we are really trying to do with this show, not only market horror movies to people that normally wouldn't be seeing them, but also doing it in a way that's kind of unlike what a lot of other pop culture and movie podcasts do, because some of our favorite horror entertainers, we really enjoy, but disagree fundamentally on some of their opinions. Um... So not naming names. No, we're not gonna name names. Uh, but <laughs> or YouTube channels. <laughs> but it's it's the kind of thing that I feel like just because we are at an advantage of knowledge, because we've seen a lot of movies and we have a different perspective on it than other people do, that doesn't make us experts. Yes. We are just the we're like the conduit for how you can get into these type of movies um, and to judge them for yourself. So we are going to be nice. We are going to have the most optimistic outlook on these movies that we can have. I, I told I told Danny before we started recording that it's going to be very similar to so if you did theater like we do um, and you went to go see one of your friends in some show let's, let's just say for example it was I don't know what what to show do you really not like? Cats. Cats. Okay, like let's see. Let's say you your best friend was in Cats, and you've got to go to support. You got to go to support him. And while Cats may be very um, interesting, the costumes are great, dancing's great. Um, let's just say that like, this is like a community theater Cats. So, like even the things that made Cats good were not good. So there's nothing really to go off of this show. So you're. You're in the green room after, you're in the hallway, and your friend comes out to see you, you know, makeup still smudged on their face, and <laughs> they're so happy that you came, and you have to lie to them and tell them that the show was good, or at least only talk about the positive things. That's what we're going to do. So if there is a movie that we end up covering that we do not like, or there's something that happens in it that we think is very dumb. We are going to not talk about that, or we are going to address it in a way that is very... Uh, we're going to point out the pros of it, yes. more so than the cons. This does also mean that there are some movies that we will not be covering. Because, realistically, there is a, not a single thing positive that we can say about it. And I don't think we should name names. We're not going to name any names. We just won't cover it. And don't ask us to cover it if you know us, and you know that we hate it. <laughs> if you ask us to cover it... We are less likely to want to take your suggestions later if you're suggesting a movie that we have talked about disliking to you. Yes, unless you are someone that really wants to know about... I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm very partial to... Um, 
I mean, I'm not a huge slasher fan, but because kind of they're all sort of the same. But so in general, I'm gonna get a lot of hate. But I'm not a huge fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street. But we will cover it as a franchise eventually, and I will be as positive as possible because there was a lot of good things about the franchise. I'll be in the positive light because I love those movies. We'll, we'll, we'll get into. <laughs> we'll the talk about why about Matt why isn't I, a fan. Well, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> but you know, what? I'll bring the heat on uh, why I love the remake so much when we get to yes. that. Um, so what it looks like is, for now at least, um, we're trying to figure out how this works. We're gonna put out this episode as like our our focus group test. So we're gonna give it out. We hope that people enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah. I hope that you like it. If you're listening this long, I, I hope, hope that you didn't turn it off. I hope you had a good time at this point. So if you have suggestions, please let us know. Uh, if there are anything that isn't just about the sound quality, because we know there's a bit of an echo. This is the first time that we've ever done a podcast. We're gonna we're gonna we're get work, better. We're a work in progress. We're gonna get better about it. Um, but how it's gonna look is that the month of October is coming, which we. We hate October. We can't stand Clearly, it. Clearly, we don't like it. We don't like anything spooky. So, what's going to happen is until October, we're going to maybe be doing these on a, maybe once every other week, just so we can kind of figure something out. Maybe if it'll give us a little bit more time to uh, prepare, if it's something that we prepare, have fine-tune our editing skills. We're not just going to pull something out of our ass four hours before we have to start. <laughs> um, but, once we do get into October, we're going to be doing... Once a week, um, we're going to be starting Rob Zombies, as I said. We're going to do Rob the Zombies. Firefly trilogy. Firefly trilogy. I also want to see if we can, uh, <laughs> if you want to watch 31, we can talk about 31 okay. also. Um, I haven't seen Lords of Salem, so maybe we can do that one together also. Cool. So covering Rob Zombie in general, and uh, we'll do something once a week, leading up to the week before Halloween, which we will release on Halloween. I say on Halloween you can look forward to our franchise breakdown of the Halloween series. So what that's going to be is we're going to go through the entire franchise. I mean we're not going to spend as long on each movie as we did with with our two movies in this one because we have one, two, three, four, five, six, ten, seven, ten, 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 eleven, ten, eleven with two on the way. So we have that's eleven right. so far. That we're going to ha- we're going to talk about, um, and it'll be fun for you because you haven't. Seen I have most seen of them. three of the eleven movies. I have seen the three movies that are titled Halloween. I have seen none of the sequels. I have seen all of the sequels, and I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great, especially because um, we are kind of unfortunately at a disadvantage of doing Spooktober at our house this year. Um, so we hope that this is kind of a, a, uh, recompense for that. Yes. Um, that you can find any of these movies or borrow any of these movies from us. Um, if you, if you like what you hear, you can listen to, you can watch any of the movies that you see. Um, if you have any recommendations, please let us know. Let us know. Um, we'd, we'd be happy if to If you oblige. want recommendations, we'll give you some. Uh, we can do one-on-one sessions. Yes. See what you like, what your dislikes are. Um... But that's kind of how this is going to go, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have anything else to say? Do I, I think that's <laughs> everything for today. Great. Great. Awesome. <laughs>